like one, just one question as we start. When do you feel really connected to somebody? I was thinking in your mind, like the people that you feel really connected to. When do you feel really connected to someone? And early in our marriage, um, Katie brought something to my attention. Um, we had gotten married, and we had in, in December, and then we were working for this college ministry for one more semester, finishing off our two years with them. And we would mentor students doing that, and we would meet with them on a weekly basis. We talked to them about the relationship with God, help them read the Bible and pray and learn to tell others about Jesus and navigate any other areas of life that they're needing to navigate. And then Katie at one point brought something to my attention. She was like, you're extremely loyal and committed to these guys. Like, you'll never um, miss a meeting with them. You'll rearrange your schedule because to inconvenience yourself even to, to meet with them. And you're extremely committed to them. And she pointed out um, that I was more committed to them than I was to her. And so I, if they needed an extra time to meet... Um, I would maybe move plans with her or maybe say, well, we can't do this because, you know, so-and-so can only meet at this time. And so I would rearrange commitments I had to her um, in order to remain committed to them. Um, I really wanted their spiritual growth. And so it's like, I need to meet with them if they can't meet this time, you know, or, you know whatever it is, if they have a need in their life. And she pointed out um, that I was always willing to reschedule and rearrange for them, but uh, I was not willing to say no to a schedule rearrangement for her, and I was willing to move those commitments and break those commitments with her, but not with them. And the problem is that I was taking my relationship with Katie for granted, and thus I was more concerned about disappointing other people than disappointing her. I was more concerned about other people's needs and caring for them than I was about her needs and caring for her. And so instead of it being this person that I made these vows to in front of a group of other people and said, no, we are going to keep our you know, date night or we're going to keep our lunch time or we're, I'm going to keep do this thing that I said I was going to do too and said, oh no, now so-and-so needs me and so you know, move things around to meet their needs rather than, than her needs. And it was because uh, my commitment to her was weak. She was telling me this is hurting our connection. And if our actions are telling someone that they aren't important to us, then they're not going to feel close to us. And actually, we're not going to feel close to them. If we're not making, our commitments aren't reflecting um, their importance <coughs> to us, they're not going to feel close to us, we're not going to feel close to them. I'm sure all of us have had people in our lives with whom, whom we say they're important to us, but then the way we live our lives uh, reflect that other things are more important to us, or they reflect um, that that person isn't quite, the, maybe they're like two or three on the list, but they're not the top priority. So we're saying with our words they're important, but our actions are showing um, that they're not important. And if we think, you know, as adults, we can take our parents for granted. We think, well, our parents are always going to be there. Um, and so they're like, hey, I want a visitor. I want you to come visit me. And then we say, well, you know, work is just too crazy right now. Or like the kids' sports or whatever it is. It's just too crazy right now and I, I can't come visit you. And we, we say those things just feel more urgent than immediate. And so they get our attention and this person doesn't get our commitment because these other things um, feel more urgent. And we think, well, our parents can wait. Um, these things need to be taken care of. Or even, thus um, speaking from the standpoint of us being adults and looking at our parents, but kids, um, we have two here that are still in their house looking at you. <coughs> doing a word puzzle over there? All right, here, this is for you guys. <laughs> so if you think about you and your parents, it's easy to take them for granted because you can easily uh, place friends or video games or whatever else above that relationship instead of like, you know, this relationship with my parents is important. You can be like, you know, they're always going to be here, and so I don't need to put any effort or time or attention into that. Okay, Caleb, I hope that's helpful. Oh, Jesus and that's nice. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Glad it's not about something else weird. 
<laughs> just wanted your attention for a minute. You can go back to it now. But, um, but work can also occupy the number one priority in our lives as well. It's so easy to put our family or our spouse or our friends or, or our kids or whoever it is, we can put them on hold because we're like, you know, my boss is asking this thing of me, and so I need to put my attention there. This boss, my boss wants me to do this, and I don't want them to be mad at me. I don't want to lose my job. And so we put other things on hold. And we think, well, if I don't do this thing, I might get fired. And so we put the people who we see are the most important to us. Um, we decide to disappoint them rather than disappoint our boss um, or whoever else is, has authority or, over us. And we fear losing our job more than we fear losing our family or friends because you think, well, I could lose my job, but those people are always going to be there. And so we don't count them um, as something that needs to be taken care of. And this evening, as we finish this Explore God series, we're answering the question, can I know God personally? And another way is to ask, can I have a relational connection with God? And the thing I asked at the beginning is, when do you feel really connected to somebody? When do you feel this really deep connection? Like, can we feel that with God? And I think, um, I'm sure most of us would say, well, yes. Uh, and actually, it almost seems like too obvious of an answer that it's like, why are we even a- asking this question? Like, of course we can know God personally. We all say that. That's why we hear. That's why we read Bibles. That's why we pray. That's why we show up at things like this. Why would we take an hour and 15 minutes out of our schedule if we didn't think God could actually be known? Like, we're not all coming here to just um, listen to me talk about whatever it is. It's like, it's all kind of meaningless if it's just listening to me talk. So I'm sure I'm not that entertaining, uh, unless it, we're actually thinking God can be known. And here we need to pause and just let that reality sink in. I can know God personally. And you can know God personally. And we can know God personally. The God of the universe, the God that created all things, that governs all things, you can know him in a personal way, in a one-on-one way, like a father with a son. We sang that song, Good, Good Father. In the same way that Hudson can know me in a personal, deep, intimate way. You can know God like that. And God being a shepherd, we can sing mean all these things. Good, good shepherd. And say a lot of the same words. Like, can we have this same connection that a shepherd would have leading and guiding their sheep around in a field and to, to water and to food? And we can be relationally connected with God. And this fact can quickly become commonplace. Like, we just assume it. And once you start assuming something... Then you start stop viewing it as precious. You stop rejoicing in it. You stop being excited about it. You stop feeling like it's amazing. And when something becomes assumed, then we start taking it for granted. And we start taking our relationship with God for granted. And we start thinking, well, you know, God's always going to be there. Like, he's not going anywhere. Uh, and he'll forgive me. And so it's like, okay, God, I'm going to kind of put you on the back burner. Like, if you think about when, when life gets crazy, um, which relationship is the quickest one to get put on the back burner? Often we start cutting God out of our schedule. We start saying, oh, well, I can't read my Bible, or I can't um, come to a church service, and, or I can't um, meet up with this person, or I can't do all the regular commitments. I would. When life wasn't crazy, sure, God, I could give you my time. Now life's crazy, or now I feel this stress, or whatever it is, and now it's like, okay, something's got to go. Okay, I'll, I won't go to this thing. And we can put God on the back burner. We can put our relationship with him on hold. And... Uh, when we assume someone's existence in our life, that they will always be there, that's when we usually take them for granted. And it's so easy to think, well, God's always going to be there. He's not going anywhere. I can come back to church whenever I want, or I can come read my Bible whenever I want. I can pray whenever I want. He's going to be there waiting for me. I need to go deal with these other things that feel more urgent and pressing. And when we say this to God, you know, we can I mean, we put all 
these other things that feel more urgent or like more immediate. We paying the bills and mowing the lawn and homework and video games and sleeping and vacations and sports and TV shows and errands and chores and work. And we feel like those things need to be done or they need our attention. So God's going to always be there. So I'll just get to him later. And throughout this series, we've heard in a lot of the messages how God has made it possible for us to have a personal connection with him. You know, we, can we know God personally? Um, first, we have to add, that's kind of a like, well, is it possible? Um, and then if it's possible, well, how do, we, how do we do it? How do we take advantage of that? Um, and we learned that God's made himself known through nature and through the Bible and through Jesus. We've learned that God has paid the, the price for our forgiveness, that thing that should separate us, our sin, our selfishness, and our rebellion against him. He's paid the price so that we can be reconnected with him. But all of that doesn't mean we're actually taking advantage of it because that's from God's side. You know, 100%, he's gone 100% of the way to make connection available. But he asked for something from us, and he asked for commitment. There's other ways to say it, trust or obedience or fear of the Lord or humbling ourselves or the way we say it as a church is surrendering ourselves to him. And so the big idea we're going to explore as we wrap up this series, amidst all my goodies up here, I have something. Is this, here's our big idea. Commitment grows connection and connection grows commitment. Commitment grows connection and connection grows commitment. As I've said, God has done everything necessary for us to be 100% connected with him. God has gone 100% of the way. God has shown that he's 100% committed to a relationship with us. But it does us no good. I mean, there's a, hundred, there's a ton of people out in the world that can be known. Blogs and Facebook posts. It's like, but you don't know any of them unless you do something to get to know them. There's tons of people you could know out there. And it's like, maybe they would be completely open to know you. Um, but you need to do something in order to know them. And God has made himself 100% available. And as these two play off each other, it's kind of like chicken or the egg. Does commitment or connection come first? I mean, God's commitment to us comes first. For God so loved us that he gave his son, um, so that if we believe in him, we won't perish. Um, but God's commitment and his making connection available uh, is what comes first. And then he asks for our commitment. But then as they work off each other, um, the more committed um, you get to God, the more you're going to experience connection with Him. When you think about uh, people that you're committed to, like if I'm, you know, if all of you guys are like, oh, like I want to get to know you as a friend, and it's like, yeah, I'm not going to commit to any of that. Um, you're not going to have any connection with me. But then as we start having a relationship, you're like, wow, I want to spend more and more time with them. You begin to enjoy the relationship. And then commitment becomes easier. And as you, your commitment grows, your connection to the person, and then your connection that you're feeling with them as you enjoy them, that's growing your commitment. Like, I want to relieve my schedule of other things so I can be more committed to you. I want to have, and one you know, common way we can think about it is dating relationships. Like, you get to know somebody, and they're just a nobody to you. And then you're like, ooh, like I'm kind of feeling this connection to them, and they're open to being connected with me. And then you start going on a date, and then you start going on more dates. And as the commitment grows, the connection grows, and it just goes, you know, they start working off each other. This passage we're looking at today um, in John 10, there's four primary pictures the Bible uses to describe a relationship with God. One is God as Father and us as children. Another is God as Shepherd and us as sheep. Another is God as Husband and us as spouse. And another is God as King and us as servants. And John 10 focuses us in um, the Shepherd. But each of them is this picture of a relationship where God is taking responsibility um, of looking after us. And then we in the relationship are supposed to look to him for care and guidance and protection um, and love. And so God provides, guides, cares, and protects while we trust, obey, and follow. That's all, all these relationship pictures are set up that God gives us. And John 10, 
We see the image of God as shepherd. And he promised, I'm going to send the shepherd to my people. They're scattering, they're lost, they're wandering. People aren't leading them. And I myself, he says, all the human shepherds have failed. And so he says, I myself am going to come and shepherd them. If you want a passage to look it up in it's Ezekiel 34. He says, I myself am going to do this. And then eventually he says, well, actually I'm going to send my servant David to do this, the king. Um, and so, okay, which is it? Is it God himself or is it the king? And then we see in Jesus, well, it's actually both. He's God and he's the king in the line of David. And so throughout this passage we see connection and commitment. God has come to connect with the sheep, but they must commit to him. And so as we look at the first verses, we're going to look at verses 6 through 10. Uh, he tell, in the first 6 through 10, or 1 through 6, and then 6 um, and a couple onwards, they're going to show us, like, what has God done to commit with us, or to, or to connect with us? So if you look at um, chapter 10, verses 1 through 6 in John, we'll reread those. Jesus says, I think it might be 896 in the Black Bibles. Maybe. Maybe. Confirmed. Okay. So John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. It's always interesting when you get those little notes. It's kind of the like, uh, why, it's one of the things, why, is the, why do you think the Bible's reliable? It's like, well, um, because these guys are trying to get us to trust him. They probably shouldn't write little things like that. Like, yeah, you know, none of the founders of the religion really got what Jesus was saying here. They figured it out later. Uh, so, it's one of the little odd things that you wouldn't want to include if you're trying to convince people this is real. Unless that's how it actually happened, and then you're just reporting facts. So, But in those times, ra- rocks, we was talking about how rocks would be stacked up. Here's our, this is our sheep pen. Yes. We could all get in this, because we're all sheep. But, so this is our sheep pen, so rocks would be stacked up. Um, they didn't have many logs or like sticks or anything, so they'd stack rocks up and make this little pen, and then... At, there'd be just some sort of like opening. This thing moves super hard, but there'd be some sort of opening, and oftentimes there'd be this gatekeeper. Jesus is talking about there'd be a gatekeeper here, so now the sheep sheep can't get out, and they're also kind of guarding it. They don't want just anybody hanging, going in there and grabbing the sheep. Um, but what, what would happen is the shepherd would have spent time with the sheep, and it's not just that one flock would be in a pen. He's talking about a situation where there'd be like multiple flocks. Like maybe there's a bunch of families that share the same sheep pen. And so all the sheep are mixed together. And so the, the shepherd would come up to the hay gatekeeper or whatever. Um, and then he would call to the sheep. I don't know what they would say. I don't think he'd go, bah, or something. But it'd say something like, hey, sheep. Here we go. Hey, sheep. And all the sheep that know that shepherd would recognize his voice. And only that flock would come out. And everybody else's sheep would stay in. And so Jesus is giving this picture of, he's like, my sheep know my voice. And so they, they come and follow. When they hear it, they come and follow me, and they, they come out. And if someone wasn't a shepherd of the sheep, uh, but was just a stranger to them, they wouldn't listen to that pe- person's voice. Everyone else, all the other sheep in there are just like, whatever, I don't know, what's that noise? <laughs> Doing their thing, pooping. <laughs> Caleb, you found your calling. Here it is. Right now, we've discovered it. <laughs> 
Yeah. But, but if, a, and if a thief was coming, they wouldn't come to the door to the gatekeeper because the gatekeeper's going to be like, yeah, none of the sheep know you, so you're not one of the shepherds. <laughs> They're going to come in through there. And Jesus is like, no, that's not me. I come up, the sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. And so one of the things that's necessary for a relationship, for relational connection, is communication uh, that Jesus... Um, actually talks to us. God actually talks to us. And we've seen he's spoken through creation. He's spoken through his word. He speaks through his Holy Spirit today. He's spoken through Jesus and this picture we get from Jesus. And the the shepherd, his desire is, I want to protect his sheep. I want to care for them. I want to guide them. Um, when they hear his voice, that's like a voice of one they can trust. It's somebody that they can come to and follow his lead. And if we want to be connected with God, he must communicate with us. He has to reveal himself to us. He has to reveal what he's like and what he's all about. He has to reveal to us what he wants from us. What does he, I mean, if a father never tells their children what he wants from them, um, super annoying and frustrating and, you know, just <coughs> aggravating. But God tells us, this is what I want from you. This is how you can connect me. This is how you can commit to me and follow me. And he wants to bring us back when we're astray. That's what the shepherd does. They lead the sheep to food. They protect the sheep. They call the sheep back, keep them from wandering off by themselves. And if we're going to experience connection with Jesus, who's giving his voice, who's calling out to us, the good shepherd, we need to commit ourselves to listening and responding to his voice. If you, if you think about that situation earlier with Katie, Katie communicated something to me. It seems like you have this really high commitment to these guys and not a very high commitment to the things that we plan and the things that we say that we're going to do together. And you're rearranging your schedule for them, but you're not rearranging it for me. And her communicating that doesn't mean we're connected. If she communicates with me, but I ignore her or just defend myself, our connection was hurt even more because she communicated and then I just, you know, was like, whatever, disregarded it or didn't do anything about it. I need to listen to her and respond. And even though God has communicated to us, he's revealed himself in all those ways we talked about, if we aren't listening, it's going to do us no good. And so connection is available. God has done 100% of the work needed for connection. He wants us to commit to him and listen to him and respond in trust and obedience. And what keeps us from what keeps us from hearing God? What are the barriers? So I have two things here. Earplugs. Sometimes we're just not listening at all. We just put earplugs in. And it's like, I don't even really care to listen, God. Um, I'm not even like trying to listen to you. And so earplugs can be one way, but the other is earbuds. I don't know. And these are like noise canceling, so they're kind of like earplugs as well. But the other thing is like maybe we are hearing God in like the one ear, um, but we have an earbud in, and it's like all these other things are speaking to us. All these other voices are the ones that were like, okay, it's not like I'm listening to God and being like, what do you want me to do? But there's all these other voices of, People on Facebook, oh, I want to be like them, or just the culture, the news, or a boss, and all these other, um, or kids, or spouses, or friends, you know, whatever it is, things that pressure us and move us to change, to make our commitments not to God are things that um, pull us away from him. And if we want to be connected to God, we need to be committed to listening to him. And the more we commit to listening to him, the more connected we'll feel. And the more connected we feel, um, the more we'll want to listen to him, because we're like, when we hear that voice, becomes the trusted voice that we're listening to. It's like, this is the voice I need to hear. This is the voice that's actually speaking to the deepest levels and the deepest desires of my heart. And then verses 7 through 10, Jesus switches his metaphor. So 7 through 10, he says this. So Jesus, remember, they don't understand. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I always find that little verse there, verse 10, interesting. Because often we can hear, if, if what you're hearing from Jesus is, I've come to suck all the fun out of your life. I've come to steal and kill and destroy all the things, good things you have going on in your life. Uh, then you're not hearing the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus is, I want what's best for you. I've come to give you abundant life. I want to lead you into abundant life um, with God. But here, instead of the picture of a shepherd, Jesus is not saying he's a shepherd here. He's like, I'm actually the door, this little, this little door in the sheep pen. And he's saying, like, it's kind of like God's flock is in there. Um, and he's saying, I'm the one who's created the door for entrance into God's flock. And here he's talking about um, forgiveness. If we want to be part of God's flock, we want to be part of God's kingdom, part of God's people, his family, we need to enter through Jesus. And he says, a little while later, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And we talked about that, how Jesus both paid for and offered forgiveness to people. And he was the one that's bringing us, able to bring us back to God. So you can't come in any other way. Our sin, our selfishness, our resistance of God's will over our lives, our rejection of God as our king, that's created stone by stone. It's created this wall around us. That's what sin does in relationships. Sin, hurting somebody else, um, not doing things that are unkind to them or doing just not doing anything um, that they want you to do, that stone by stone, brick by brick, creates a wall of separation between you. And so can you imagine like somebody on that side of me here? Like so Every time we do something hurtful and there's no forgiveness, it just adds another brick. Forgiveness is what takes away those bricks so there's no not the separation anymore. And Jesus lays down his life um, so that we can get to God, so there's no separation between us and God, to take down that wall to create a door for us to enter into being God's people and being God's family. And Jesus defined, he says, I want. I came to give life, uh, give abundant life. Well, I came that we may have life and have it abundantly. Um, it's interesting, all those statements of how, when he states his purpose for coming, like, I've come to seek and save the lost, or I've come to serve, not be served, but to serve. I've come to lay down my life as a ransom for many. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And back in week one, we talked about uh, how Jesus in John 17 defines life. He defines eternal life as knowing God. And so Jesus lays down his life, created a door for us to have entrance uh, into relationship with God. But opening the door isn't enough. You can't just open the door and it's like, now, cool, I'm in there. We have to go through the door. We have to walk through the door, we put our trust in Jesus, we have to commit to him, and that's what brings us into relationship with God. We have to admit we've gone done wrong, seek forgiveness, and accept forgiveness. And all three are important, because if you don't admit you've done wrong, you can't be forgiven. And if you don't seek forgiveness, you can't be forgiven. And even if somebody's like, I forgive you, but you don't uh, accept that you've been forgiven, and you just keep living as if you're separated from that person, as if um, they're still mad at you, or they're still holding guilt over you, or you still owe them something, then you're not experiencing the forgiveness. Maybe you really, you have it you know, in an objective, uh, like absolute sense, but subjectively, experientially, you're still feeling, living in separation from that person. And in that situation, 
I was talking with Katie, she pointed out something I was doing wrong. And as the gracious person, person she is, forgiveness was available to me. If she wasn't willing to offer and pay for my forgiveness, we talked about God. Forgiveness always requires the giver of forgiveness to pay for the sin of the one that's receiving it. If she wasn't willing to offer forgiveness and pay for it, then connection in our relationship would remain broken. She would just be telling me this thing I did wrong, and if I can't be forgiven, then you know, the bricks uh, and stones of separation still remain. And if I wasn't willing to seek forgiveness and accept the forgiveness, then connection in our relationship would still remain broken. And our relationship with God, he's fully paid for and offered forgiveness to us. And so we can be connected with him, but we remain outside the fence as long as we don't commit and say, yes, God, I want the forgiveness. I've done wrong and I'm seeking it. And now I want to live in the reality that you have forgiven me. And so we've talked about those two things, communication and forgiveness. I actually think those are like, if you want to boil it down, I don't know, it's I don't know if I've read like a lot of books to say like this is definitive. My general sense is relationships kind of boil down to communication and forgiveness. If you're not talking with each other, um, it's going to break down. If you're not forgiving each other for the wrongs that are done, it's going to break down. I mean, there's other things, you know, like, oh, we should affirm each other. Well, that's communication, communicating to the person. So I kind of think those are like the two elements of a relationship. Um, but then on the flip side is the commitment. If you don't offer communication, if you don't offer forgiveness to somebody, connection is either impossible or it's just going to break down. Without forgiveness, the relationship breaks apart. Without communication, the relationship can never start. Um, but I could offer all the communication. Um, I could say, reveal, fully reveal myself to you. Um, I, and I could be like, hey, you wronged me and I'm going to offer you forgiveness. But if you're like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of ignore you or not be able to really be interested in that, well, there's no connection there. So connection be offered, but it requires the other person to commit. Both are needed. And then in verses 11 through 18, we're not going to go into those in detail. But Jesus gives us a, this picture of the intense commitment he has for his sheep. He's the good shepherd. He's fiercely loyal to his sheep. He doesn't flee when there's danger and they need protection. And sometimes we feel like when things are going wrong in our life, it's like, where are you, God? It's like Jesus never flees from us. He never sees danger coming or trouble coming. And he's like, whoa, you're just going to have to deal with this yourself. Like, I can't handle this. Jesus' goal and his role is to lead us and to guide us and to protect us. Jesus says his sheep belong to him and he cares deeply for them. He knows each of his sheep and each of his sheep know him. And he knows his sheep personally. That's what that question we're answering. Can I know God personally? Well, Jesus says, I know my sheep personally and they know me personally. In the same way that God the Father, he says, knows me, that's how I know my sheep. And God, I mean, God the Father really knows Jesus, God the Son, uh, they've known each other since the creation, before the creation of the world. And so that same knowingness is the same that um, God knows us. And it's interesting, when you, if you read the Apostle Paul, there's two times in his letters when he's like, now that, you've, now that you know God, and he'd be like, oh, wait a second, now that you've come to be known by God, he actually flips it. He's like, the priority is on God actually knows us. Uh, and that's, he takes the initiative, and he's the one, his knowing of us is actually what initiates us knowing him. And Jesus says, I'm 100% committed as our good shepherd. He gives us everything we need to be connected with God. And if there was no communication or forgiveness on God's part, connection would not be possible. But he's done everything for us to be connected with him. From God's side, there's no barriers. The door is wide open. And what's required from our side is commitment. And so what keeps us from committing to God? That's what we talked about earlier. We take him for granted. 
We see other things as more important. We put God in the back burner. Our commitments to Him are the first ones broken. And it's kind of uh, the thing. The thing I think about is uh, like none of us are free agents walking around the world without commitments. You know, free agent in football, someone who's like, I don't have a team yet. You know, is somebody going to pick me up? And it's not like we're just walking around as free agents, uncommitted to something in our life that's like driving how our life is acting. And this thing, you're wondering what's in here. You're not going to find out. You're just going to find out how heavy it is. Boom. So we all have something we're committed to. We're holding on to it. And God's like, hey, I've made connection available. Um, and like I said, nobody's wandering. It's like bowling. It is a bowling ball. I stole it from the bowling alley. No, I'm just kidding. I found it. Found it at the thrift store. I guess it's kind of trying to stay. But it's like none of us are like, woohoo, I'm just walking around. And God's like, hey, be committed to me. And we're like, okay, I'll be committed to you. We all are holding on to something. We're like, I'm committed to this. Whatever it is, job, money, uh, having fun with our friends, wh- you know, whatever it is, anything that could, that we are just driving how our schedule, you know, how do you decide how you schedule your time and what you use your time for? Uh, right. That's the thing that's driving. That's the thing you're committed to. And then God's like, you have to, you, I want you to be committed to me. And so we have to, I guess if we maybe use this, it's like, hey, I want you to be part of my people. I made everything available to you. You just have to come in. And we're like, yeah, but but I don't want to let go of this. You know, I want to hold on to this. And he's like, well, you got to let go if you want. I actually got this image from Larry. So credit to Larry. I think two weeks ago I used an image you gave me, and you weren't here. So I still give you credit. Okay. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, if we're like, hey, I want to leave you an abundant life. And we're like, yeah, but I don't want to leave this thing. He's like, you just got to let, you got to let go of that if you want this. And as long as we're unwilling, to, maybe we'll be like, okay, I'll loosen that grip a bit. I'll get closer while I'm still like holding on to it. And he's like, no, this is just horrible. It's falling down. It's like, but is that a tennis ball? It's a bowling ball. Is it actually? I called. Yeah. I told you. I'll, I'll give it to you. We already discussed this. I stole it from Kingston Lane's room. No, I didn't. Strike that from the record. It's from Tristan. But we're like, okay, I'll let go a little bit. God, I want I want the abundant life. And it's like we can kind of feel it. And it's like, but I don't want to let go of that. It's like we have to let go of those things that are like keeping us from being committed. Become a sheep. We have to be that's true. We have to become a sheep. Which is a good image because if you do the other if you do the other way where Jesus comes to the entrance of this and there's all these different sheep that belong to different people, um, and then we and then he's like, Hey sheep, come on, and then he heads off. It's like we have no connection with Jesus if we didn't follow him. And we ran in the sheep pen and we're like, yeah, I'm not going to hear, listen to that guy's voice. I'm not going to trust that guy's voice. And one of the issues that we have today is if we, um, because we're, Jesus isn't physically standing like right here and being like, hey, you want to follow me? And then we're like, no. Then he moves on. He's gone. There's, we don't know him. There's no connection with him. And that was what it was like then when he's calling people to follow him. And today we have this Situation where we can call ourselves follower of Jesus, and yet he's, you know, on the other side of town, and we're never even following at him anywhere. And so we have to be careful of that, of not taking his, uh, what he, his, our relationship with him for granted. Now, if you start as we are closing, <clears throat> uh, if we start thinking about Monday morning, and you want to be more connected with God, uh, what's the the best commitment you can make. And we're talking about connection and commitment. And so if you wanted to make a commitment to be closer with God, what's the like number? If you can only choose one thing, you only have time. 
We all have busy lives. We're like, my life is so busy. And you're like, okay, I want to take a baby step. I want to do one thing. I want to make one commitment. What do you think is like the best thing you could do, best commitment you could change or make in your schedule to be more connected with God? What do you think? What is just sometimes prayer, worship? Say good morning, God. What was that? Say good morning, God. Say good morning, God. Say good morning, God. Prayer, worship, which could be be a good prayer. Yeah. Morning, God. We're just recognizing you're real and here and alive and I can talk to you. Read, read my Bible, mm-hmm. pray every day. Read my Bible, pray every day, yeah. And grow. Grow, grow, grow. grow. <laughs> come in, come in, come in. Yeah, these are all, like, really awesome things. Um, it's been my observation that um, all those things are awesome. There's only one thing in the entire world that actually reflects the image of God to you. And now you probably know where I'm going. What's the one thing in the whole world that reflects the image of God to you? Jesus. Je- okay, well, Jesus, besides Jesus, what is one thing in this room, what's the one thing that reflects the image of God to you? If God said, I made this to reflect me to you. Other people. Other people. <laughs> is that what you were trying to say? It's going to be like me. Yeah. Well, exactly. it is you, but yeah, God says, and it's like, and so I, obviously we come and open up the word every time, and we pray every time we meet here, we come to worship, all these things are important, but actually God, the only thing in the entire world that he's made in his image that reflects what he is like is another person. And so, I mean, that doesn't mean you just, uh, we don't read the Bible, we don't pray, um, but the best place you can go if you want to experience connection with God is another person. And that's, you know, the, you might have to you know, think and chew on that statement a little bit, but he's the, God did not say that this was made in his image. This is his word that speaks to him. Um, but the mistake we often make is, God, I need care. God, I need guidance. God, I need love. God, I need to feel close to you. So what do we do? Okay, I need to get out in the woods for like two hours with my Bible and pray with nobody around. Isn't that usually our answer? It's like, if I want to feel connected with God, I need to get away from other people. But actually, God, I mean, the whole Bible, the whole New Testament is saying, if you want to experience the rest of God uh, in your life, uh, the eternal life of God, you need to not stop meeting with other people. You need to continue to be committed to relationships with other people. And so often we say, I need to push the, I need to get away from these relationships if I want to feel connected with God, if I want to experience God. And throughout the whole Bible, uh, you can see that God's, God's people are God's delivery system for his care and his guidance. God's people are his delivery system for his care and his guidance. And so often we wonder, and I, I mean, I've had to think about this for a long time. If you look at the Old Testament, um, <coughs> God, we, a lot of people, when they look at the Old Testament, they're like, well, the Old Testament teaches us that if we just believe in God and obey him, everything will go well for us in life. But yet the nation of Israel had poor people in it, people that weren't provided for. And God even said, even if everything is going well, there's still going to be poor people. And the responsibility was, Israel was supposed to be this picture of God caring for each other. The poor people that didn't have stuff to eat were supposed to be provided for for others. And so in the same way, the church, when we feel like, man, I can't pay my bills, I can't uh, do this thing, I don't have enough time. We, we just talked about on Friday, our pain points, like these areas in our life that I feel burdened, that I feel like 
I don't know what to do. I, I, God, please help me. And the place we should go is to other people because that's the God's delivery system for his care and his guidance. And then in decision-making, usually when it comes to decision-making, we come and we, uh, we maybe say to people, like, here's this big issue I have. And, uh, yeah, there it is, burdening me. You know, please pray for me. Which is great. We should pray for each other. But instead of being like, what should I do? And, and realizing, uh, and the reason to connect with what Larry said, um, Jesus 100% in the image of God. And then Jesus says, I'm going to heaven, um, but it's actually better that I leave. Because now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, my spirit, into each and every one of you. And so now it's not like you have to be uh, at ethereal affections where Jesus is to have him present with you. Now he's present in us as his body, the body of Christ. It's Jesus is the head guiding us, and we're the body of Christ that are doing his work caring for one another, giving each other Jesus' guidance and care in our lives. And so the way Jesus shepherds his sheep isn't that, it's like, I just need this lightning bolt thing for Jesus to do. The way he shepherds us is through the people in whom he's put his presence. And and so often, we just when we need care or we need guidance, we're like, I just need to figure this out. I need to pull back from all the relationships where Jesus' presence or I can get his caring guidance. I need to get off by myself and make the decision. Or I just need to, you know, things are just so crazy at home, or whatever it is, I need to put on pause all my commitments to God's people for now. And I need to just figure this out because I need more time and I'm super stressed. Instead of saying, like, I'm stressed and burdened about this and I need, I need care and I need guidance, I need wisdom. And God's delivery system for those from him is through us. And so I want to just give you two commitments to consider. If you want to be more connected with God, two commitments to consider. One for each of us, it's a community thing. So what's an area of your life that you can bring another person into? Like, Are you working on a decision about something? Um, are you stressed about something? Are you hurting financially? Are you hurting emotionally? Are you confused about something? What's an area of your life you can bring another person into. And I don't mean just, because uh, sometimes it can be easy um, for us to just kind of vent. Like, okay, here's this issue I'm having, and we just vent. Like, oh, that, that felt good. But bringing people in is sharing it, and then rec- being like, what do you think I should do? Um, or, you know, can you can I have, can you help me in any way? There it is. I don't even know what to do. Is it, I hear it, you know, just like letting it out there and like, letting people help us, because sometimes we're like, here's this thing I'm really stressed about, I don't know how I'm going to pay the mortgage, or I have this issue at work, and then it's like, we put it out there, and then people are like, oh, I could, I could help you, like, I have a spare hundred bucks, I could help you with your mortgage, or whatever it is, and then like, no, 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 I couldn't put that on you. That is God trying to give you his care, that's God trying to deliver his care, or I have this decision or he's put it out there, I don't know what to do, please pray for me. And somebody's like, well, have you thought about this, or have you done this? And it's like, it's like, well, I, no, okay, I'll go think about that. But you know, I, maybe we should have the opposite of like, if somebody tells us something and from a good heart, out of love for us, we should maybe, instead of being like, I'll take that under consideration, we should be like, I'm going to do that unless I have a good reason not to. I mean, not saying that that's actually what we should practice, but that's like the opposite of what we usually do, which is like, well... If I find a good reason to do that, I will do it. Instead, maybe we should have the opposite of like, unless I can find a good reason not to do that, I'm going to take you three people said the same thing to me. That's what I'm going to do. That's maybe God talking to me in that moment through his spirit, delivering his guidance um, to me. 
So that's what's an area of your life that you can bring another person into. And then as an individual, um, I mean, Nick said Bible and prayer, and other people mentioned Bible and prayer and worship. Um, If you're not reading your Bible, um, maybe try for the next seven days, be like, I'm going to read my Bible every day. Maybe it's a verse, maybe it's for a minute, maybe it's for five minutes, maybe it's for 30 minutes. Um, But I'm going to make a commitment. And a lot of us, I'm sure a lot of us struggle. If even you're like, I try to read my Bible every day, I made it four days last week. Um, maybe be like this week, next seven days, I'm going to read my Bible every day, even if it's you know, 9.30 p.m. and I'm supposed to be to bed at you know, 9.40 and I still need to brush my teeth or you know, whatever it is. Okay, I'm going to read one verse. And that's my commitment. Like, I want to show you're important to me, God. And then say something to God about it. And so I usually write like a one-sentence prayer if I read something in the Bible. I just am like, I need to respond in some way. And I just read about Jesus, you're a good shepherd. God, help me. Jesus, help me follow your lead and guidance. So read your Bible once for the next seven days, uh, you know, every day for the next seven days, and say something to God about it. And if we want to be a community that together experiences a deep connection with God, um, we need to be deeply committed to each other um, because it's God's people or God's delivery system for his care as guidance. And so if we want to experience God's care and love of this shepherd relationship where he's leading us to abundant life. That's going to happen through his people. And so we need to, to do that. And I'm excited as we go into this next part of this series, uh, the next series, John 13 through 21. It's like Jesus is about to die, and he's telling his disciples his final words, and he's talking to them as if they can still know him. And so it's like, well, how do we keep having connection with God um, through after Jesus is gone? died and risen and has gone to heaven um, and how do we have that connection it comes back to this, it's our commitment um, to him and we express that as we commit to one another let's pray Father it's so easy for us to put you on the back burner um, to put our relationship with you on hold and to make our other commitments more important than our commitment to you And we know we don't have to get rid of all those other commitments, um, but you want to fill them with your life and your light through us. So would you help us as a people to commit to one another as we we commit to you uh, to receive your care and guidance from each other. It's your son's name we pray. Amen.